And I'm not dealing with this issue because of, you know, that person, they're offended, so I'm going to get up there and give them the what for. I'm dealing with this issue, A, because it's in the scripture. It's so clear that at the end of the age, this is one of the most poisonous attacks of the enemy. But about six weeks ago, the Lord began to speak to me about offense, just the, the, the growing, mounting pressure of offense that was building in the society. And, and I, I kept hearing one single phrase in my spirit, and he was just saying this thing to me, when hearts get opened to offense. And so here's the thing that we've got to deal with. If we have a propensity to be offended right now, what will happen to us when the context of the earth gets more challenging, more difficult, when hardship and suffering comes? If we're, if we're offended right now with things, when, when life is relatively easy, what will become of us when difficulties arise? And so, because Jesus emphasized this, I think we've got to ask ourselves some, some really probing and challenging questions. And, and these are all in the notes, but I, I, that's the first one. Do we get offended now with, with people and situations when times are relatively easy? Do we? Do you find yourself often offended? Secondly, do we tend to blame others and God? for difficulties that, that we have in life, imagining that things should be better for us. Out of you now, so that in a day of great challenge, that the only thing that comes out is Jesus. Amen. Guys, we have got to get ourselves in a place of living unoffended and living where we refuse offense at every turn, because right now the enemy is ravaging our entire society with rage and offense. Everything you see on the news, in the media, it's all geared right now to just get you frustrated, angry, and offended. And this is a plan of Satan. Hear me. This is not a little pet problem. I've got my own little issue. No, that thing will destroy you. Offense will kill you. And that's why Jesus made such an issue of it. So let's break it down just a little bit. When you study the New Testament and you read every word for offense, you, you find this, that there's two key words that are used. And they're from the same root, and the root is scandal. So one is scandalon, and one is scandalizo, and these are in your notes. So the scandalon, that's the trap. And when you take the bait of the scandalon, you are scandalizoed, you are trapped. And so here's what the devil does. He sets up challenges, situations, because he's trying to entrap you. And the Lord, he looks at that situation. And he goes, okay, I'm going to teach you through this. Don't take that bait. Don't take that, that trap. The enemy is trying to entice you into being scandalized 
And the Lord, he leads you right into it, and he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sweep in every time a, a challenging problem comes and try to deliver you from it. No, he walks you right through it so that you can stand firmly in the face of the attack of the enemy. So here's how the devil does it. He sets up a trap. He sets up a situation. He sets up something that he knows provokes you. And some of us, we're so simple, we actually will verbalize what our last nerve is. When that happens, it's just like I just get tap dancing on my last nerve. And here it comes, the very next moment, the very next day, that afternoon, here comes that tap dance on your last nerve. And the enemy, he's, he's not stupid. He sets the trap. Now, sometimes it's shallow things. Sometimes it's deeply personal things. Sometimes it's extremely difficult traps. Sometimes it's things that really hurt our hearts. But a trap is a trap. And if you get trapped, you get caught in the scandal on, you get scandalized and you get offended. When offense takes root in you, it has a poison and a power that cannot be understated. I'll, I'll talk about it next week, but it says, a brother offended is harder to win than a walled city. That's not to give you like a license to be offended. That's to tell you the absolute difficulty of what it means when somebody actually takes the bait. How, how far they get in, in offense and how difficult it is for them to get one back again. And so here's the thing. In a trap, in a, in a moment of, of invitation to offense, if you take the bait, it has an extremely poisonous effect. And here's what's an interesting thing that I want to mention. That very verse, Matthew 24:10, depending on which version of the Bible you're reading, New King James re renders it, uh, many will be offended. But New American Standard, it renders that same word, uh, scandalizo. Instead of it, be offended, it renders it, many will fall away. And so my point in making that distinction is this. It's serious, y'all. It's serious, y'all. Offense isn't something, your little pet place where you can prove everybody wrong inside your, the court of your own heart. Offense is a poison uh, uh, designed to destroy you. And so we have to be very serious about it. Now, here's the challenge. These traps, like I said, sometimes they're very personal. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes people betray us. Sometimes they say stuff about us. Sometimes they do things against us. Sometimes it, there's, a, there's even a, a physical uh, component. Sometimes the, the trap is extremely painful. But here's the, here's the thing. Hurt and pain through a trap 
is not a license for offense. It's not. In fact, so often we get wounded, we get hurt, and here's the, here's the hard thing. The actual offense is painful, but our response to the offense is worse. And it actually worsens the initial hurt. Let me give you an example. If I stub my toe, and let's say I really stub it, really stub it, and I crack open the toe and there's blood. Ouch. Like you felt that one in your hair. Like, ow. Right? Well, let's say I don't take care of that wound. Let's say instead of dressing that wound with something that's going to cleanse the cut and, and bandage that wound, let's just say instead of bandaging it with something that's going to you know, be antiseptic, let's say I bandage it with a bunch of dirty dishwater, something full of bacteria, and I wrap bandages on there, and I, and I cover that wound with something that's actually going to make the wound worse. What happens to my foot in a month? <laughs> he said, you got to cut it off. Okay, brother. We've got brother extreme on the third row. He said, Jesus said, pluck it out. You cut it off. I'm with you. Eventually you would. It'll get infected, right? And if that infection, if it doesn't get stopped, guess what? A fever will fill my body. Isn't that right? And, and then all of a sudden, what was in my toe, that, that pain that was there is now throughout my entire system. Isn't that right? And if that thing continues to fester, what happens? Maybe my whole foot gets infected. Maybe gangrene forms. Maybe this thing goes all the way up my leg. Maybe I am having to get something amputated. Not because of the original hurt but because how I responded to it. Are you hearing me? Hurt is not a license for offense. And the enemy, when a hurtful situation arises, the enemy will be in your ear going, you don't deserve this. See, he'll play that entitlement card. He'll pluck that entitlement string. You deserve better. You don't deserve this. And he will start getting you to bandage that hurt with accusation. He'll get you to bandage it with unforgiveness. And all of a sudden, that hurt turns into this bitterness that begins to defile your entire way that you think about everybody. You know what I found? 25 years of pastoral ministry, you can get offended 20 years ago. You can get hurt. If you, if you mismanage that thing, you, you, you don't bandage it rightly, you don't, you don't take care of that thing in the moment, that hurt from 20 years ago, it can affect the way you look at every single person you come in contact with right now. It will, it will completely shade the fullness of your trajectory. I remember when I was a young man, I got started in ministry. I, I, I asked my pastor, I said, I mean, teach me, teach me about ministry. T t tell me something that nobody else knows. Tell me, tell me the secret, you know. I said, how do you stay in ministry? He, you know, he'd been in ministry about 20 years at that time. I said, tell me, how do you do this? He goes, you know, when I was young, I asked my pastor the exact same question. 
and he said, and he told me something that I thought, well, that just doesn't, that doesn't even seem like it's true. He goes, but now, 20 years later, it's 100% true. And I can tell you, 25 years later, it's 100% true. I asked him, what's the, what's the key to longevity in ministry? He goes, keep yourself free from offense. Stay out of bitterness. Because you're going to have many, many opportunities to be hurt, wounded, get in unforgiveness and offense. He goes, if you can keep yourself free from offense, you can continue to love with a free heart. Hurt isn't a license for offense. We don't, we don't just go, well, get over it then. No, we care when somebody is going through something hurtful. And we work together as a healthy body to overcome hurt together. We don't take the hurt person and throw them to the corner and say, good luck with that. No, we follow the biblical prescription about working together to find forgiveness, to deal with offenses with one another. Jesus dealt with this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if, there, if there's offense between you and your brother or sister, you go to them and, and you work this thing out and be reconciled or else leave your gift at the altar. Don't, don't come to worship if you got a problem with your brother or sister. Go get that thing you know, straightened out, get it taken care of. See, he understood the poisonous nature of offense. He didn't want it to, to grow and, and, and to become this, this poisonous, cancerous problem. And so here's how it works. Offense in the heart. Offense, it is the, it is the outcome, the result of believing that we've suffered a wrong, that we've been done wrong. And then allowing that wrong suffered to build unforgiveness and bitterness. It's, it's about believing that we've been done wrong, and then we allow that, that wrong suffered to, to then be bandaged with unforgiveness, and it turns into bitterness. Now, I want to point out something. I said, notice, I said, believing. Because in our context in the earth right now, everybody's so easily offended that we actually cause, we call certain things hurt and wound and take offense at certain things that are simple, normative activities of human life, like disagreement. Come on. I mean, right now in the earth, if I disagree with you, People are like, I will kill you. You don't see it the way I do? I will kill you for that. I mean, it is the most ridiculous context. Somehow, I remember when this first became a thing about a decade ago, that if I, degree, if I disagree with you, I'm a hater. Do you remember this? Hater, hater. No, I just don't think that what you're saying, I don't see it the same. You're a hater. You hate. I'm, I, I, I don't hate. I really, I, I love you. You're a hater. And if they say it enough, enough people will believe it. And I go, no, I actually don't hate you. I just disagree with you. Listen, just because somebody disagrees with you, that's not even a hurt or an offense. 
That's normal human behavior. Not everybody sees it the same way. What are we actually trying to produce? An entire population that all sees everything exactly the same, and those that do not, they're all haters? What is that? Mind control. He said, it's, it's idiocy. And I said, and, and I think, yeah, and even more diabolically, that's like mind control. That's not true. If I disagree with you, it doesn't mean I hate you. In fact, certain personality types, I quite love people that disagree with me. If you bring me a challenge, I, I kind of like it. Not because I'm weird or a glutton for punishment, because I'm so interested in truth. So don't let me just say it and then you, don't, you just go, yes, 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 yes. I don't like that. I want people to go, no, no, no. I think you've got blind spots in these three, four, five areas. That means so much to me. Disagreement isn't hatred. Disagreement isn't even hurt. Disagreement is not cause for offense. What I've found, pastoral counseling, 25 years, I will sit with people and they're offended with one another and I'm trying to work it out. And I'll go, so, so tell me what happened. And they just disagree. I go, well, you guys don't see it the same way. Can you guys agree to disagree? No. I'm wounded. Well, what are you wounded about? Well, they don't like me. I, he didn't say that. He just said he doesn't see it the same way as you. Now, what happens is ordinarily you get in disagreement, and then you start saying stupid stuff. Oh, well, well you're a jerk. Now you've acted offensively. But can I propose that everybody that disagrees with you isn't a jerk? Hello. We needed a better amen right there. <laughs> you, you can't just write people off because they don't see it the same way as you. That, th this is normal. Disagreement is not a cause for severing relationship. It's not, a, it's not a bona fide hurt. Entitlements, what they do is they imagine that we have, to, we have to have everything our way. And if somebody disagrees with us because we think we're entitled to something better, all of a sudden we just, this disagreement, it just throws me thinking, I deserve better than you to disagree with me. Like, I mean, how high do we have to put ourselves in that equation? Disagreement is not an offense. Other times people get... They get offended and they get hurt out of simple misunderstanding. I cannot tell you how many times I have sat with two people who are offended and, and they're hurt with one another. And, and I'll say, now, what did they say to you? And this person says, well, they said ABC. And I go, no, what did you say? And this person goes, I said XYZ. What did they say? ABC. What'd you say? X, Y, Z. I go, did you? He said X, Y, Z. No, no, he didn't. He said A, B, C. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, this is a simple misunderstanding. Can we start at zero? What did you want to say? And did you hear what he wanted to say? And can we just agree that that first interaction was a miss? understanding. I can't tell you how often I've seen people completely offended, completely hurt over something somebody did not say. They're mad about something 
they think somebody said, but when you actually do the work to get down in the nitty-gritty and you try to be a peacemaker and you figure out what's going on, the person never said it, they never meant it, they just misunderstood what they said, and now we're mad. Marriages, friendships, church relations, business relations. I've seen this work in every facet of human relationship. You know why? Because we're bad communicators and we're bad listeners. We want it real fast. We want TikTok videos. 15 seconds and we think we got it. We have completely lost the, the, the exquisite art of sitting and listening in dialogue. You've lost it. And then mirroring back. Now, I think you said this. Is that what you meant? Just this simple art form of communication. Have you ever, I've done this a thousand times, a million times, so I'm not pointing a finger, but the person's talking and you've already got your answer loaded up. And while they're talking, you're like, just shut up so I can answer this. You quit even listening three words in. The context of the planet is so rife with this accusational spirit that we're just ready to misunderstand. We're so willing to jump to a conclusion. We're so willing to assume fault and to assign motive. Misunderstanding is not hurt. Misunderstanding is not offense. I didn't put this in the notes, but it's on my mind, so I'll just mention it. I've seen this a hundred times if I've seen it once. Person B is offended at person A, and the reason why person B is offended is because what they think person A will say. That one, they're all mad at them. I'm like, well, why? Well, because they're gonna, this is what they're going to do. Well, did they do that? No. But you're mad at them. Yes. Why? Because that's what, I, that's what they're going to do. I, I already know it. I already know what they're going to say. Did you talk to them? No. That's like when you have the dream about the person and they do you wrong in the dream and then you're mad at them when you wake up from the dream. That's, it's the exact same thing. One's a dream in the night, one's a daydream. It's exactly the same thing. It's not based in reality, gang. We have to actually see things as they are and deal with this at the, at the rudimentary level to get this rooted out of our lives. Because this is not okay. And the church of Jesus Christ cannot operate this way. And offense is a cancer that will destroy us. Here's what happens. In these misunderstandings, we draw conclusions about other people. We, we assign motive. We, we, we determine what their thoughts are. We say, this is how they feel. This is what they will say. All of a sudden, we're jumping to conclusions and, and we don't even realize it, but we've entered into what Jesus addressed in Matthew chapter 7, unrighteous judgment. When Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, that's what he's talking about. Judging the motives of someone else's heart. Judging the thoughts and the intentions of someone else's situation. And you don't even know what's going on there. 
It says, judge not lest you be judged. He was trying to get us out of this unrighteous judgment. All right, y'all gave me 15 extra minutes. Now hang in there. So we get hurt over things a lot that aren't actually hurts, and we get offended by things that aren't actually bona fide offenses. But then there are times when we really do suffer a wrong against us. We experience hurt and pain. We suffer being done wrong. And, and I don't want to act like that's not a big deal. That is a big deal. Being hurt emotionally, physically, all sorts of ways, that, that's difficult. It's not easy to overcome sometimes. Uh, it, it can be very, very challenging. It, 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 can, it can, you know, maraud our minds. Why would that person do such a thing? Why would they say such a thing? Why would they act in such a way? It, it really can have a comprehensive effect on us emotionally and even physically. Like it, there are real hurts there that really do happen. But as I said earlier, when we have a bona fide is going to be a bride, pure and spotless and free from offense, we're going to be a people unoffended in love. You know, the context of the earth isn't even the most offensive thing. Do you know what the most offensive thing is? Jesus. He's the most offensive one. He's the most offensive thing. When we stare at the cross, that's offensive that God would die on the cross. But what about when he comes back as a warrior king? What about his judgments? What about when his judgments rock the earth and shake the nations? What about when he removes gray areas? Jesus, he said, he's the rock of offense. He's the most offensive one there is. We've got to get offense out of our hearts now so we're not offended with him then. Let me read this last verse. Colossians 3, 12. Just let, it, just let this word, just let it wash over you. Let the word wash over you. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, Humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Why do you think Paul had to call the church to bear with one another? Because he knew they were going to act hurtfully and offensively. He knew the cultures were different. The generations were different. He knew they would be bumping into each other. He says, bear with one another. I think of that as deal with the current offenses. Bear long with one another. And forgive one another. That's dealing with past offenses. If anyone, listen to these words. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But of all, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were all called in one body, and be thankful. Beloved, this is our portion, free-hearted love. 
How many want to live with a free heart? Oh, man, I want to live so free. I don't want to walk around with lists on people and attitudes towards people. I don't want to be defiled with offense and unforgiveness. Let's all stand.